0: And welcome to Pop Tarts. Me me me. I'm Emily Rems.
1: I'm Callie Watts.
0: We're both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. And today we are tackling a topic so juicy, I am absolutely furious that we have not discussed it before now. <laughs> we are going to talk about lusting after celebrities. <sighs> <laughs> and to help us navigate these rough waters of feminine fantasy are two count them two undisputed experts Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins the of the fantastic Buzzfeed podcast Thirst Aid Kit <sighs> they're here
2: thank you so much for joining us oh, thank you thank you so much for having us
0: oh boy I cannot wait <laughs>
3: i'd break six for james yes he can dance because then he can dance
1: is james franco canceled
3: (laughs) the internet does not
2: forget every time i think about patrick swayze's back i sit down abruptly i love gingers
0: for those who haven't been listening to thursday kit yet pause this listen to every episode and get back to us no but seriously if you (laughs) haven't heard it Yet your entire podcast is devoted to women expressing their sexual desire for celebrities in all kinds of hilarious and creative and descriptive ways that are so surprising. And I just, I need, I didn't know that it was possible to sustain that one theme through an entire like podcast, but it actually is. How did you know that you wanted, (laughs) that you were that thirsty? How did you know that you wanted to explore this topic again and again?
3: Because that's those are our conversations, like, <laughs> on a daily basis. We're just constantly talking about, um, well, I shouldn't say constantly. I mean, we do have, you know, some... <laughs> we're in- intellectuals. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what we talk about when we're just, like, having girl talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. We talk about the latest pop culture item and who's making us swoon. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where um, Nicole and I met on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: a lot of the times we would find a place where our interests kind of intersected. And it was like, who is this girl? Who is me? But somewhere else.
3: (laughs) Um,
2: So we became friends on the internet. Then we met in real life. And then Nicole moved to New York and then I moved to New York. And it just happened so fantastically and very serendipitously. But yeah, essentially we are doing a lot of thinking about pop culture Mm -hmm. and the ways in which pop culture touches our lives, all of us. And one of the areas that is a constant, I suppose a very rich vein for that sort of thing is fancying people because that's one of the common things. And I mean, also it's not just about like sexual desire. right? There are so many things within the the idea of wanting someone. And I think the sex bit is like the bit that gets the most like notice. But in reality, of course, all we're really doing is exploring things like what women want um, or at least cis women straight cis women um it's also kind of like a chance for us as black women to kind of connect with culture in a very different way to what we've been technically quote unquote allowed to do
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Yeah, all of that (laughs) (laughs) you you guys both weren't living in new york when you met
3: no i was living in my hometown of nashville tennessee
1: oh hey (laughs) i love
3: when i see other tennesseans um Yeah, and I just moved to New York. So
2: when we first began talking and became friends, it sounds like a really old school internet story (laughs) in the chat room. Um, But we met on on Twitter, and Mm -hmm. at that time I was living in London, which is where I'm from. Yeah. And then I moved to New York, and then you were visiting New York. Yeah. And then we met for the first time, and it was like, "Hi, internet friend." Yeah, (laughs) that's the cutest. And then um, Nicole eventually moved to New York. And then we were like, wait, we should do a podcast because we are hilarious. (laughs) So we did.
0: And you did. And it is hilarious. Oh, man. So, in your expert opinions, who are the most lusted after celebrities right now? Like, who are your listeners contacting you about again and again?
3: Wow. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Chris
1: Evans. Hey. Captain America. Evergreen. <laughs> I had no idea who that was when I listened to your podcast. I what? I Google him. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Listen, I don't watch uh, action movies, really, so I was just like... I knew his name. Yeah. Had no clue what he looked like. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. But well, you guys enough. described him well. Thank you. thank you. <laughs> thank you. We tried
2: uh, to create a, a, a picture.
1: That's pretty much what I yeah, Thank you.
2: Thank <laughs> you. Good.
3: Um, uh, okay, so we've got Chris Evans. Mm. Who
2: else, Bim? Currently, right now, in this moment, the cast of Black Panther. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. People are wildly thirsty for every single person. What about the girl that broke her retainer? Yes. Oh,
3: we love her. Now, <laughs> I don't
2: know about the girl
0: who broke her retainer. Okay, well,
2: first of all, she's our patroness. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, second of all, she basically was thinking about Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther so hard that she clenched her jaw so hard that she broke her retainer. Oh my God. Her permanent retainer. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. But then the twist in the tale is she tweeted about it or rather her orthodontist mm-hmm. tweeted about
3: <laughs> yeah. it. Her orthodontist posted a, uh, on Tumblr about mm. the situation. And she was like, wait, that's my orthodontist. Oh, my God, this girl is me. And so then it just blew up. <laughs> yeah. And the, 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 the wonderful, like, sugary end to this is
2: that Michael B. Jordan then got in contact with her and said, hey, I feel responsible. I'll pay for a new retainer. <gasps> Aww. Which, you know, I, I've never wanted someone to father my children more. And I <laughs> uh-huh. just thought, wonderful. Yeah, Michael, do it. Yeah.
1: She's going to break her retainer again just because he did that. Because that's just. Wouldn't worst. you, though? I mean, I mean, mean. if that's how you have Michael
3: B. Jordan in your life, do it. <laughs> 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 I'd break six retainers.
0: <laughs> um, you touched on this briefly, but I would like to delve into it deeper. The issue of problematic bays, mm. celebs who ruin our lust for them with bad behavior. Are there any dudes who you've loved and who you've lost because they became too problematic to retain your affections?
3: Um, This is um, not to give away too much of our production meetings, but um, this is something that we have struggled with trying to address in a proper and legal way um, Mm -hmm. without, is it slander or libel?
2: Why not both? Sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I I think it's one of those things where all of us, I mean, there was a great tweet that somebody sent us the other day and they said, oh, thank you so much for reminding me that I still fancy men. Mm. Mm. And I thought that was a very kind of uh, perfect tweet in a way because it's very difficult in the year of our law, 2018, <laughs> to find a non-problematic man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Especially a famous one, especially yeah. a Hollywood famous one. And I think that's a conversation that, like Nicole says, we are always having in our production meeting with our producers where we're thinking to ourselves, can we in good conscience feature this person as a thirst object? Because that's the thing about thirst Kit; We are not prescribing that you fancy this person, we are offering our own analysis and ideas about why this person is fanciable. So at the core of every episode, every thirst object is the fact that Nicole and I have to fancy the person ourselves. So lots of times people will tweet us and kind of go, hey, do an episode on this person. And we go, ah, I'm not familiar. <laughs> yeah, And we're not going to like make up last because you can always tell when
1: something's yeah. authentic, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. So that's like a constant thing. But then there are some people that people will send us and we'll be like, we've had some things things yeah. that we can't necessarily you know hold up but yeah. we've heard and we're not like nicole says we are not in the business of slander so we sit on our hands and we go mm, not this week guys thank you yeah. because <laughs> you know we're, we're dealing with it and i think that's one of the things that feels very real about the podcast <laughs> because the people that we choose have to
3: you know be fairly not shit you know and yeah i will say we recently did um Little video clip uh, promoting the upcoming season, the season that just launched, and it included a fanfic that a listener had submitted about Mark Wahlberg, mm. and we included we included it. Um, but you know, Mark Wahlberg, he's had some issues, right, with violence against people, mm-hmm. um, racist people behavior, yeah. yeah, racist behavior. <laughs> um, he recently, what was the thing where he, he got paid more with yes, Michelle the, Williams? for the reshoots for yeah. all the money
2: in the world. Yeah. Which he then donated he got he all did, the money
3: in the world. yeah, yes, <laughs>
2: truly. <laughs> but basically, there are issues. So that, this idea yeah. of him, he's not like a flawless candidate.
3: Exactly. And so we we have to recognize, though, that there are some people that we just are going to have to say, okay, yes, we know that they're problematic, but also people like the problematic faves. So... Sometimes we have to let it ride. And that's the other thing as well. In real life, we fancy complicated people.
2: Yeah, Who have done some shit alongside the gold. Yeah. And I think that that's a constant battle where you're thinking, why do I still fancy men? And then on the other hand, ah, because I do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a thing that kind of comes across when we are doing the podcast.
3: Yeah.
2: I feel that the proto-thirsts, like the earliest thirsts,
0: childhood thirsts, Mm -hmm. are very telling about a person. It's almost like your astrological sign Mm -hmm. or something like the kind of people that you first imprint on Mm -hmm. for good or ill. So I'm going to tell you what my first proto-thirsts were and you guys can weigh in on what you think about me. You've just met me today. Right. How you think this reflects on me holistically as a person. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when I was four... I was watching an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and on that episode, he introduced viewers to his wife, who was a pianist, and I exploded with rage. I couldn't believe that Mr. Rogers was married, I couldn't believe that he was taken. Like, I didn't even understand what that meant to me or my life or anything. But just like I hadn't even considered, I don't think, really getting married before. But the fact that the option of marrying Mr. Rogers had suddenly been taken off the table Mm. made me, like, shake my tiny fist at the uncaring sky. (laughs) Mm. So that's proto number one for sure. When I was seven... Michael Jackson's thriller came out Mm. like the entire world shifted on its axis. I had a poster of Michael Jackson wearing a canary yellow sweater vest on my bedroom door and I would kiss it every night before I went to bed. And there were these little like Bonnie Bell lip smacker lip marks all over it. Classic. (laughs) And then uh, when I was 12, Dirty Dancing came out. I saw it with my Mm. mom. There's the scene with the rain on the roof, and he's making sweet love to Jennifer Grey. Patrick, when I say he, I mean Patrick Swayze. Yeah. He's making sweet love to Jennifer Grey in the cabin with the rain on the roof, and I literally hit puberty, like, in my seat at that (laughs) moment. (laughs) Can you breathe out? I'm a woman now. <laughs> <laughs> I left the theater a different person than the one who entered. And those are my, my big three proto-thirsts. What does that say about me? That that is my journey?
2: So I think it's important that the three ages that you brought up are four, seven, and I believe 12. Yes. I think quite a lot happens around those ages. I think at four, when you had a rageful reaction to Mrs. Rogers, <laughs> I think that was the case of children believing what they can it's object permanence what is in front of me is mine right and if something happens to threaten that the normal and correct reaction should be rage and so if you were prepared to gut mrs rogers i think <laughs> that is something that kind of settled in you you're kind of like no I, I know what i want and it's this kind man who talks to me like i'm a human being and treats me as though i'm a person you know and respects me even from behind the screen so i think that's an important thing that. Like, It's telling you, you, these choices, I think, are telling you about yourself, which I think is a very helpful thing. I don't Mm. think we should all spend our days navel gazing, but I think it helps to know who we are and to look back on our our previous selves and kind of go, hold on, that previous self had some things right. So I love four-year-old you because she already had it figured out. (laughs) Seven-year-old you, with regards to Michael Jackson, same. I think that also shows that you value a certain level of flair and artistry. (laughs) <laughs> which I think is a good thing, especially in this dark world. Which... I didn't know at the time mm. what his
0: his darker intentions. were I mean, were how could children. you know? How could you know? You
2: all all you knew was that you like this spinning, you know, whirling dervish of a man. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's for people of our generation. I think there was a huge, huge thing with Michael Jackson. And I don't think that, I think that also makes you a bit of a sheep, but that's cool because you're supposed to be a sheep (laughs) (laughs) at that age. You're supposed to kind of go, this is a popular thing. And also the other thing that you can't kind of discount is that that shit is catchy as hell. (laughs) So It's thriller, you guys. It's thriller. I had, we had the thriller, we had the video, we had the VHS. Like I was, we bought every, I, mm, okay. So (laughs) then Patrick Swayze. Now, puberty, I think is a very interesting stage of life because everything is happening all at once everything is so much all the time and Patrick Swayze is the perfect vehicle that you should board as you head into puberty because first of all his back can take it oh (laughs) what a back too man I mean Every time I think about Patrick Swayze's back, I sit down abruptly. <laughs> and I just think about my choices in life. Like, what am I What am I doing today? Oh my God. He's just so beautiful in that film. And his mm-hmm. face is so earnest. You know, he's doing the right thing. Even though Baby's dad thinks he's like some guy who knocked up some girl. Some, and he's like, I'm just... He, he, he takes it. Yeah. What the fuck kind of Harlequin rope? Yes! Yes! I want that. <laughs> I just... I love him so much. And he's you know, this. he's hurt, he's broken, he wants someone to believe in him and then in comes Baby and she believes in him. But also, and most importantly, his back. So (laughs) (laughs) I feel like all that tells me is that you were on the right track from a very early age and I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Another important
0: ish for me with the Sways was that in that film, Baby was explicitly Jewish, as am I. And I didn't think that perhaps boys like Johnny Castle would go for like the Jewish teen and I was like
2: oh yeah (laughs) bring it that's really important the idea of who fancies you and we've talked about this a little bit on the show already representation matters it does like it's a very kind of cliche and very cheesy thing to say representation matters but it does and the idea of seeing yourself in something when you haven't for a very long time or didn't even realize you were missing it, I think is one of those things that is very good for the ego. But also it's like, it's just mentally a good thing to see versions of yourself, which is not to say you need permission to do these things, but sometimes you do.
0: Would anyone else care to share some proto-thirsts?
1: I was trying to think of mine. And I I feel like it was... Joey McIntyre, nice. from New Kids on the Block, even okay. though I thought that he and possibly because I thought he was dying of leukemia. <laughs> oh
0: oh my god, in spite he, of, but because he always,
1: <laughs> was, he always looked like slightly malnourished oh, or something oh, no. like his eyes, like his, his eyes look wow. sickly. <laughs> So I knew that, but still thought he was the cuter one. Or maybe it's just because I felt like I needed to like somebody in New Kids on the Block, and mm. mm-hmm. I didn't. They forced, and I yeah, everybody had to pick one, and I was like, I'll take the one that's dying.
0: Maybe the <laughs> <laughs> the- then you don't have to like him for too long. And oh then, my God, that's horrific. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He'll be dead soon anyway. Right. I'll like him for now. And <laughs> okay. then maybe Luke Perry, 90210 oh, style, yeah. rolling up on the motorcycle. Now he's boy. hot
0: dad on Riverdale.
1: He is still hot he can dad on he li- Riverdale. After him again. Yeah. yeah, but also looking a little malnourished on there. Mm. He's a little thin in the in the, so in the cheek. So, are you? Do you like to take care
3: of people? Maybe. Like, is that what's
1: happening? Oh, maybe because the other one is Jared Leto, and everybody. Oh Everybody knows he needed help hanging yeah. out in the furnace uh, yeah. room and couldn't read. So you're a caretaker.
2: <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, or I so. you like to watch the life slip out of your love interest. Either one.
0: Yeah. I Either don't like can.
2: commitment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like, when can this be over? When will death claim this person?
0: It's Ooh. like a law poem, Like, I will hold you as you're dying. Yeah, like a black
1: widow spider something. is very or something. self-dependent and not on death's bed. So I feel like yeah. times have changed.
3: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Wow. Kidding. I don't know where to go
2: after that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't know these things about you, Callie.
1: I didn't think about them until now. Yeah, but- that's what
2: Thirst does. It opens up doors. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I really fancied Devon Sawa. Who's that? He, used, he, was a, he was a child actor. And he was um, also, uh, I think he played Stan in Eminem's video. Mm, and he yeah. was a beautiful boy when I was a girl. Um, and he played the human version of Casper, the friendly ghost, in the movie with Christina Ritchie.
4: Oh, my God. Does
2: anyone remember this movie? I remember that the it movie. exists, wow. but I cannot picture. Okay, so I don't normally fancy blondes, um, even as a child. You know, that wasn't a thing. But I remember thinking, because I loved Casper so much, and then there was a mo- <laughs> I sound so creepy. I love the ghost. <laughs> but, but then- That's hella goth listen i that i was wasn't i was that
1: also patrick swayze i mean you love the ghost we're not we're Ooh. we're talking about <laughs> you know what
2: yeah Ooh, connection touche yes. touche <laughs> do you know what patrick swayze was absolutely a very very foundational thirst yeah, yeah. 100% absolutely. like right like yeah. i remember looking at him and just kind of going oh okay yeah i'm straight Oh,
3: okay. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like this full understanding of... Case yeah.
0: closed. Rose Truly.
3: House is one of my favorite movies. Because like, pain don't hurt. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. Uh, oh. I hate you, but... <laughs> I mean, but there's also, like, with Patrick Swayze, this kind of gentle mm-hmm. masculinity that mm-hmm. doesn't get put on screen very yes. often. Yes, And he just really, you know, just... encompassed all of that yeah
2: and he was a dancer which means he had rhythm which I think is a beautiful thing that women love to have the idea of like oh he
3: can dance yes he can dance because then he can dance yeah Yeah.
2: Uh all right all right
3: (laughs) put your hips down everyone all right I think there
2: was something about patrick which is you know he talked about it a little bit he he kind of learned to dance i think with his mother mm-hmm. he spoke about women quite glowingly but not in that cheesy way where you're kind of like oh i have your cookie yeah. he just seemed to be someone who seemed very at ease with himself and with women and i think that in turn kind of really made people really kind of like well they were drawn to him because yeah. i was drawn to him yeah but yeah devon sour was my my big uh kind of childhood like age appropriate crush uh-huh. i'm trying to think about who else i really fancied when i was younger and i'm i'm coming up It's odd. I knew I was coming here to talk about thirst, and I've forgotten (laughs) who I thirsted for. Um, Well, for me, it's Prince.
1: Nice.
0: Uh Spock. Yes.
1: How did you even leave Spock off your list?
0: Because that came later in life. Uh, (laughs) Do you know that um, Leonard Nimoy and I have the same birthday? Well.
1: Wonderful. It was
0: Monday.
3: Yeah. Oh, happy birthday.
0: Hey, thanks. (laughs) I didn't know until this birthday that
2: we shared a birthday. Wow. I love Leonard Nimoy. R.I.P. Yeah.
3: He was great. Um, Who else? Then when I got a little older, let me think who it was. Um, Niles Crane. (laughs) From Frasier. Martin Payne from Martin, the TV show, the sitcom. Mm. Uh, I like a funny man. I like a funny man. Uh, I like a funny slight man. Like, Mm. skinny. A Byronic sort. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think those are kind of pretty much it from like my childhood through my teenage years I
0: think. yeah there's a certain sensitivity there yeah I, that <laughs> i see that you enjoy and an intellect mm. yes yeah yeah the yeah. intellect is
3: very
2: important yeah it matters so much and you can discard a person which sounds horrible discard a person <laughs> but i can discard a person on the idea of yeah you don't and you don't vibe like that yeah, like i just you don't don't have to be able have to have talk right to brain. somebody right. Yeah. You, know, you have a conversation with the person exactly. but also I don't Not. want to send you a text and your reply every time is lol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Exactly, exactly. I have standards. Sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Something that your podcast shares with Bust Magazine is uh, erotic fiction.
4: Mm-hmm. On
0: your podcast, you call it Drabbles, mm-hmm. and it, it's more in the fan fiction arena. Mm-hmm. We have a regular uh, feature in every issue of Bust Magazine, um, called the one-handed read <laughs> because it is in print <laughs> and we're we're just trying to like get women to take some private time yeah um so since we're all in the business of curating this kind of material I always sort of puzzle over the fact that when you look at erotica written for men it's very much insert tab a into slot b like it's it's almost clinical except for all the euphemisms for body parts like it could almost be a medical textbook except for the words that they use to describe the parts but it's very much um describing like what is rubbing against what very specifically whereas when there's erotic stories written for women it's um it seems to be more about the man and now in this Example I'm giving is is cishet is uh, the man seeing the woman as a person (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like women being seen as people gets them aroused. It seems (laughs) and it always sort of boggles my mind like I really wonder are men and women really that different in terms of what turns us on or is it just that women are so ignored by pop culture in general like that just being seen as people turns us on.
3: I mean, I think it's, I think it's option B. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. A lot of times when I've read erotica or something similar, uh, that's written by men, they just tend to say, you know, the woman saw the man enter the room, she was immediately wet and they got it on. Yeah. Right. There's very, you know, and maybe that speaks to the stereotype that men don't like foreplay or something. They just want to get right to it or whatever. Um, but they you know, you got to warm up the oven a little bit. So I think a lot of times women are just kind of like, this is what I like as the author of this particular piece. This is what I hope maybe the reader likes. And maybe you can just take take it from there and, and figure out the rest, right?
2: I think it's one of those things. So I've been reading fanfic for a very, very long time. And, you know, I mean, you said erotic drabbles. We don't necessarily do erotica. We do a sort of, I mean... We call it very broadly fanfic because we are, there is an object and that's the, the first object of our, of the, of the episode. And we, they're very much, they're Mary Sue. So we insert ourselves mm. into these scenarios with these um, first objects, but none of our uh, fics that are drabbles contain mm. any sex, like nothing explicit. We don't say tab A, slot B. Yeah. None of that. Nicole in particular uses like wonderful euphemisms, like somebody dropping to their knees, yeah. which you know maybe they're fixing a loose floorboard. <laughs> you don't know, but I think that there is something quite um, oddly chaste about our drabbles. Part of that is that we're not an erotica um, erotica podcast because you know we're trying to be in all the platforms, etc. But I also think that. What we're trying to kind of illustrate, which is something that I've been talking about for years and years, which is that if you pay attention to the things that women write, it's a very old fashioned idea. This thing of the personal is political is all the other things. But women write the world that they want Mm -hmm. because so much of the world that they live in is shit regarding Mm -hmm. certain things. So when women, for example, one of my favorite things to read in fanfic is the way women write in consent over and over again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They do this like almost, almost. it feels like it's very conscious, but I don't even think it is. I think they're they're writing what they want. They want someone to check in with them. They want to say with their whole bodies, with their whole chest, yes, I want this. And in many ways, because men don't read fanfic as much as they should, they don't (laughs) even know. They don't even know. I feel like they
0: would learn so much. They
2: would learn everything. The key to the world lives in fanfic because women are telling you explicitly, without shame they're saying it they write this they write versions of yes over and over Mm -hmm. and over again and men just don't read it so they don't even know
3: and they don't read it because so much of what women enjoy what women turn to for as the buzzword is now self-care is dismissed and overlooked and derided right Mm -hmm. so you know if we're doing beauty regimens or if we're uh, writing fanfic or whatever—it's just all kind of poo-pooed, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. finally, romance novels are finally like coming to the main—not mainstream—but getting like New York Times kind of attention, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Like now, there's a, a column, a mm-hmm. columnist who's reviewing romance novels because how do you keep ignoring something that makes so much money mm-hmm. every single right. year? It's right? ignored
0: just because women like it, exactly. Right.
3: Um, so women, like Bim says, we we write these roadmaps, and a lot of things, um. About uh, one of the things about our drabbles um is that we do write about the way that our thirst objects and us as we uh insert our characters yeah the characters <laughs> um the way that we know each other in those drabbles right so like uh I think my most popular or the most erotic one is my Charlie Cox one in uh in that one charlie cox comes home from working on daredevil he's tired he's had a really bad day and the way that he gets over his bad day is to drop to his knees so that is something (laughs) (laughs) Ah, (laughs) we had quite the reaction to that travel people died i think reading that
2: travel yeah Yeah. and
3: you know i because i was the character right i pulled his hair and he said, please, to ask for permission oh, to, yeah. to keep going. So, again, just that small little thing of asking, saying, this is what I want. Is this what you want? Yeah. And moving forward. And that and that was it. That's all. He said, please. And that's when the drabble ended. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no, like, ex- um, description of anything else. Mm-hmm. But that was just enough. And it was just, again, like Ben was saying, this idea of, Checking in, making sure that what I'm doing is good for you. Mm. Give me what I need too. Mm. And this would be mutual satisfaction. Mm -hmm.
2: And I also think that when we talk about our drabbles, for example, we often create, as Nicole said, these scenarios of things that we enjoy. So quite a few listeners have noted, and we already noted it Mm in-house, that a lot of my drabbles tend to center around the domestic arena. Yeah. There's a lot of people doing dishes and people (laughs) cooking breakfast. And... I think that's one of those things where, again, it's not necessarily sexual, but just the idea of just, you know, do stuff for me. The same way I would do for you. Like, this is not a one-sided thing. It's not a case of, you know, I just want, just look, I'm not, I'm not the queen of Sheba. I don't require you to carry me everywhere. I mean, it would be nice, but <laughs> I think it's also one of those things where you're kind of representing a world that you would like. I, we all know that, you know, domestic duties are not equally shared. And again, to look at things through a cis-het um, lens, but I do think that that's one of the things that we, you know, both Nicole and I are, are straight women. Um, and we, when we write these things, we're often kind of addressing something that is larger. It doesn't even have to be something that has been written down somewhere or has been, you know, discussed to death. It's something that we notice and therefore we write accordingly. And I think I, I mentioned this, I did like a whole thread on Twitter the other day, kind of talking about this idea of women, when we, when we get, and we get fanfic from men, straight men, gay men, trans people, you know, straight women lesbians everyone and they write in these drabbles and the thing that comes up again and again and again is just how quotidian the scenarios are like nobody is being pulled up on stage bruce springsteen courtney cox style like no one's kind of like hey this is because you know we're writing about technically famous people People are writing their drabbles about famous people, but they're not putting themselves into famous situations.
0: Right? They're not being
2: chased by the paparazzi. You know, they're not in like some massive penthouse suite, in, you know, in a hotel. None of that. It's just, we're at home. We're reading the papers. Oh, I read a piece in the New Yorker. There was one great one where somebody was like, as we finished reading this piece in the New Yorker, and I was like, oh my God, this is so sweet. Like <laughs> no one's looking for like, and no one's, hardly anything is kind of, you know, magic mic whips and chains. It's just kind of like, bro i just want you to like me and respect me and maybe occasionally drop to your knees that's it Like yeah. <laughs> that's my whole like fantasy just just do the dishes and kiss me everyone has this idea that everything whenever women talk about desire it's you know a magic mic scenario but people forget that the biggest thing about magic mic is not the incredibly erotic dancing it's the fantastic support between this bunch of men where they all talk and they love and they care and it's like that's what's hot about that movie with of course you know a bit of nine inch nails but I just feel (laughs) like people forget that at the core of it is like like you were saying I need someone to look at me and see a human being Mm -hmm. yeah and I don't want to feel as though I have to beg you
3: to see a human being like just look at me and see the worth in me and we have to remember that these people are real people so we can't Mm -hmm. get like you know, outrageous with the stuff that we talk about. And we mm-hmm. get a lot of people who are like, could you be more explicit? Could you be a little nastier? Could you, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think his boop boop looks like? You know, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. we're just like, wait, these are real people. And mm-hmm. although it could be, you know, getting right to the line of decency by, you know, <laughs> like- creating these fanfic about them, yeah. you still have to recognize we could potentially meet these people because, yeah. you know, we're in the media. We could one day have access to them or, you know, interview them for whatever reason. Right. And we can't just go into an interview. And they're like oh right you wrote about my girth right like ben was saying we have to remember we're all human in this scenario yeah
2: exactly it's one thing for us to say on the podcast you know what that mouth do right (laughs) and it's very different to say that to a person if you were to come up to them at a premiere which you could be covering because of your job and it's nice to think that it's because it's flattering and we're being like you're so hot and but it's still weird yeah You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, there's a contract because you're a celebrity, et cetera. But also we're all human beings. Let's just not be shits to one another. What is it like
0: to professionally lust after male celebrities during this age of Me Too and Time's Up? And like, we're so inundated with just like stories of male celebrities assaulting people every day. Like how... Does it feel weird? Does it feel empowering? I feel like almost liberated at times by discussions of women lusting after people because it seems like the narrative is just like sexually we're just all victims in the media 24 hours a day. So I just wonder how you feel making this particular podcast this year because it's it just launched in the middle of
3: everything. Mhm. Mm. Yeah, that's something that we talk about um, a, lot. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, like Ben mentioned earlier, this idea of, you know, reconciling with the idea that you, you're you sexually attracted to men in this age where everything they do is shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's hard, but it's also we try to give a uh, a silly place, a silly point for people to enter into and recognize that they're still going to be attracted to who they're attracted to and you just kind of have to figure out the way to stay in that and stay in that position uh, uh. <laughs> um, mm. but the position, yeah, right. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean there uh, there are a lot of people that we have had to take off the list because something has come out that they did or there are accusations I should say mm-hmm. um, that you know are being investigated or have you know kind of come to the forefront and um, it's hard. It's it's a little difficult because it's like, uh, why can't you just act right? <laughs> just, just, just... Why can't we have nice things? Yeah. yeah. Right.
2: We have had people, and we're not gonna name who, where fans, listeners have said, oh, you should do an episode on X. And we're kind of like, mm, cool story. No, we're not going to, <laughs> because we've heard this other stuff. And again, this is what Nicole was mentioning before about the idea of legality. <laughs> you can't go around making accusations without, you know, a leg to stand on etc but you know in the same way you look at the shitty media men list that went around yeah there are people there are stories that are known there are stories that have been swimming in the the stew for a while and so there and and for many of those people we don't fancy them if we ever did anymore Mm -hmm. but sometimes you hear something about someone you actively fancy and it's like oh for fuck's sake One of the things when we started doing the podcast was this understanding, uh, and I've mentioned it before, we don't do any episodes about people we don't fancy. Mm -hmm. So that has to be the starting point. And in in selecting the people that we end up featuring on the show, we do go through a rigorous checklist. Like (laughs) people think just because you're in a studio chatting about dudes, hot dudes, that you don't really do any research. And it's like, no, no, we do actual work. Like this is a job. Um, but the thing we were very careful also is that we're trying not to be anyone's meals. We are two straight black women. And talking about lust and desire and sexuality and all these expressions of humanity is not something that has traditionally been given to black women. Mm. And so when we walk into the studio and we present our thoughts and our ideas and our analysis, etc., what we are very careful not to do is to carry the burdens of all women everywhere first of all we are not every woman contrary to the shaka khan (laughs) Um, (laughs) but we are two women two women with a very specific set of attributes we are straight we are cis we are black and to be honest there aren't that many of us doing this sort of thing in any arena let alone on a podcast with a platform like buzzfeed so this is something that we're always kind of thinking of, kind of like, sometimes we'll say, oh, this is our favorite thing. And somebody replying reply and kind of go, mm, no, try this. And it's like, cool story. Again, no, let us live our lives. Let mm-hmm. us say the things that we want to say. Let us fancy who we fancy. So we're always thinking about that as well, where we have some responsibility, but by no means all the responsibility. We are not Spider-Man. And so it's kind of like, I don't, I can't carry this much. And I'm trying to be inclusive and I'm trying to think about things outside and that's something that we're constantly kind of talking about and trying to figure out a happy medium a place where we fancy and hopefully other people fancy and it all comes together in a beautiful thing yeah Mm -hmm. we
3: we tell our listeners we can't be all things to everybody to all people you know um we get a lot of people asking us to do more queer friendly episodes to do um to cover more women more trans people and again um We just don't want to be baiting. We don't want to pander. We don't want, we're trying our best to be as inclusive as we can. But also, we can't sit up here and say we're lusting after this woman when we don't lust after this woman. And that would be very obvious um, Mm -hmm. to our listeners. And, you know, that we're not going to play gay. That's terrible. We try to stay in our lane, basically. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) as much as we would love to cover every single topic that people tweet at us or email us, we simply cannot. We cannot do that. But to go back to the idea of how to do what we do in this age of Me Too and, um, you know, getting, holding men accountable for their actions, um, I don't know, you just have to, we just kind of have to keep doing what we're doing and hopefully people have fun with it and enjoy it. And it's a break, right? Um, Mm. Because... The news is so heavy, like Mm. even just scrolling your Twitter, even if you're not reading stuff, just seeing the headlines will ruin your day. And so we hope that hearing two women giggle about Mm. um, (laughs) Oscar Isaac's hair. (laughs) Ah, It's a good head of hair. (laughs) will just kind of brighten your day a little bit. And even Bim said earlier that we're not prescriptive. We're not trying to tell you who to like. Mm. We're just trying to have you approach who you like with the same enthusiasm as what we have. Fancy all the people. You'll be dead soon. <laughs> and with that, we'll
0: take a break. And when we come back, I'm gonna ask Nicole, I'm gonna ask Bim, I'm gonna ask Callie, and they're gonna ask me, What yeah. you watching?
4: I'm Terrence Mickey, the creator and host of Memory Motel. A podcast that finds the drama and what we desperately want to remember or would rather forget. In season one, I explored such light topics as the different ways we remember the dead. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. How may I help you? Hi, my name's Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary.
0: What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with?
4: Okay, I'm a big procrastinator, but I'm going to die at some point, so I just want to be prepared. And, to get to the bottom of Stockholm Syndrome, I returned to the bank robbery where the first person was diagnosed with it.
1: I always felt that I did something wrong. After almost 50 years, I felt, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I did what I had to do. And I'm kind of feeling proud of myself.
4: And... I followed a message in a bottle.
1: He
0: starts talking to me about a bottle with a message in it, and he says, Turks and Caicos. I'm like, and I'm, you know, I'm real expressive. You can't see me, but like, I make a lot of faces. And I look at my cousin and I, real quizzically, and I go, I don't know what this guy's talking about. So I says, hold on a second. I put the phone down, I'm like, what, what? And I go back on the phone, I go, okay, excuse me. What's a Turks and Caicos? I had no idea
4: to see where your memories take me next please subscribe to memory motel wherever you listen to your podcasts and to share your memories please reach out to me directly on twitter at terrence underscore mickey or at memory motel for updates on season 2 visit our website memorymotel.audio
0: And we're back. It's time for me to ask our lovely guests first, what you're watching? And when I say what you're watching, I mean books, movies, television, podcast, music, music videos, performance art, whatever it is that you are culturally consuming. We want to know about it. Let's start with you, Nicole.
3: Okay. Okay. My two favorite shows on air right now are Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm-hmm. and Superstore.
1: Our interns were just freaking out about Brooklyn Nine-Nine today. It's I've never so seen good. It's,
3: it's, so good. Good. it's so good. It's so good. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine takes place in a New York police precinct, and it stars Andy Samberg, um, Andre Brower. Oh my gosh, who else is on the show? Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Melissa Famaro yes I think Beatriz no
2: um, the- you're gonna have to cut this out
3: I forget uh, her name yeah
0: Stephanie Beatrice. thank you Beatriz.
3: Stephanie Beatrice. Oh, oh. yes and Chelsea Peretti um it's just hilarious it's sweet it's endearing the characters are actually growing it's in their fourth season now I believe and the characters are actually growing while also retaining the characteristics that you love about them so there's no like oh gosh, he's doing the same mistakes that he made in season one. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but it's still just like the consequences are a little different and there's, you know, people are learning. Um, Superstore stars America Ferreira, who also directs sometimes. She writes some of the episodes sometimes. Um, And one of the things that I love about it is is that there are several Asian and Asian American characters that are all very different, that are, do not subscribe to stereotypes. It's just a really interesting way of just being like, hey, they're more than just, you know, this particular type of character um, that we can have. And it's just super, super funny. I love it to death. I want everybody to watch it. It's in its second or third season right now. It's so good. Third season. Yeah, it's good. Um, I don't know. What else am I watching? Oh, I just started watching via Amazon Prime this... Um, British detective mystery show mm-hmm. called Grantchester. Mm. A lot of... I, <laughs> <laughs> I got stuck. I saw, like, tweets and some gifs and people were just calling it the Sexy Vicar Show. Nice. He is very sexy. He's a vicar. I, what's his name? He is called James Norton. Yes, James Norton. <laughs> oh, he's <You're> just... <laughs> Um, he's just so pretty, but also the jaw is like Superman strong, it's fucking granite. Like Ugh. it's just oh my god, and he's like shirtless in almost every episode, and it's like That's oh vicars do. You're supposed to be a man of God. He solves crimes in with... his spare time when he's not tending
2: to his flock.
4: I have never seen a priest make murder his
3: business. As a priest, isn't everything our business? That's hot. Um, right. He's Anglican, so he can date. Yeah, Which and is, he does uh, date. He does date. He fornicates and he does, with ladies. He yes. <laughs> and it's so good. I love it. I love uh, crime procedurals. I love mystery shows. Mm-hmm. So it's like all of my sweet spots. And his character is a ginger. I love gingers. So <laughs> um, yeah, I strongly recommend the sexy vicar show called Grantchester. Ben. Oh. I am listening still to
2: two albums over and over and over and over again. One of them is the uh the soundtrack for the Paul Thomas Anderson film Phantom Thread.
4: Mm. It is
2: Does that mean you're a threadhead? I am 100% a threadhead. I retweet all the memes. <laughs> I went to see at BAM in Brooklyn. I went to see when they played the film with a live score. So they had a live orchestra. Oh, wow.
4: Whoa. And then
2: afterwards, we went to a bar and we saw Paul Thomas Anderson. And I spoke to him and I said I was a huge fan. And he was a charming delight. So, nice. truly Nightmade. He was great. And he's, you know, I, I love him anyway. But this film is wonderful. The soundtrack is by Johnny Greenwood, who is a musician with the band Radiohead. And he also does film scores because why be good at one thing when you can be good at many other things? Um, (laughs) But Johnny really kind of put his whole foot in this soundtrack. It sounds amazing. And it makes me feel like I am soaring above the city when I listen to it. It's just every, every single song on it is very different and just it just fills me with this i don't know i feel i feel alive would you not say i feel dead the rest of the time (laughs) but i feel more alive when i listen to the phantom thread soundtrack the other album i've been listening to a lot of is by sons of comet um and they are i think a british jazz band and they are phenomenal um and the record is called lest we forget what we came here to do and it's from 2015 which first of all great name lest we forget what we came here to do like what a purposeful <laughs> fucking like title uh, and in particular i love uh, the song called in the castle of my skin which is amazing and also the song called the long night of octavia e butler <laughs> So that's music wise. Um, on TV, I've been watching um, uh, Elias Grace. Oh, I love it. I missed it when everyone was talking about it when it first came out. And I watched it all in a, in a, in a, like a massive chunk. Uh-huh. And, I tried my best to pace myself, but it's so, I mean, Sarah Polly is amazing. And at one point, someone on my Twitter na- nailed it perfectly. They were like, oh, she's just showing off. Her writing is so good. And I was yeah. like, yeah, she's just showing off. It's so good.
0: And I feel like she's making it for us. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Like, I yeah, love it. I need to oh, you should. It's on Netflix. It's like, it's a very short. It's what Americans call the short series. Well, as a Brit, I'm like the perfect length. It's like six <laughs> episodes. And I'm like, superb. <laughs> that's that's how long a season of telly should be. But um, it's great. The the, the lead actor who plays Grace, I forget her name now. She's Irish. She is absolutely Absolutely stunning as a performer. Like I just, I want to keep my eyes on her the whole time. She is, she is perfect. And it stars also for other Brits. I don't know if anyone ever watched in America, a show called Due South. Yeah, I, it's on Netflix. Or it was. Well, so. Americans don't know this fucking show and it's amazing. <laughs> but it starred this guy called Paul Gross, who was, he played a Canadian Mountie who was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 90s were is quite Is he the dude time. who
0: plays the doctor in Alias Grace?
2: no no but that guy the, the guy who plays a doctor he has a magnificent nose he's fine yeah <laughs> he's British and he's playing an American he has just the most beautiful nose I just want to eat it yeah. um and no but Paul Gross plays a very bad man in Elias Grace and he is just I've forgotten how much I loved him and then in he comes and you just kind of like oh yeah I remember you it's just great <laughs> it's, it's 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 a really great show um so I recommend that that's what I'm watching and loving Otherwise, I'm not watching a lot of telly. I'm reading a lot of uh, plays. And I just finished rereading Lynn Nottage's um, Intimate Apparel, which is, again, just one of those wonderful, wonderful... Isn't she a multiple Pulitzer winner? That's exactly what she is. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Is that one of the ones? That is not one of the ones. Actually, no, I think maybe it is. She is stunning. She's a black um, playwright, which, you know, is... A successful black playwright just out in the world is fantastic if you've won the pulitzer more than once even more fantastical Mm. so she's kind of a unicorn Uh, and her writing uh makes me want to simultaneously pick up a laptop and start writing but also close my laptop forever because i can never be as good (laughs) um but yeah i'm finding a lot of inspiration uh there she's great callie watts i haven't seen you in in
0: so long callie is back from a whirlwind trip to South America.
1: Yes. I'm and I'm voyage.
0: dying to know what it is that you have been watching.
1: Well, shockingly, I didn't watch any TV while I was on vacation. But I did listen to some podcasts on the plane. Good for you. I was mostly night cruising, so didn't get that many in because I was asleep. But um, I listened to My Favorite Murder, and that was on the way to Peru from Chile. And when then we got there, we were at some some girl's house smoking weed and i was telling the the weed dealer was like oh what have you been oh because it was like a five hour flight or something and i was like oh i was listening to this podcast my favorite murder and he didn't know what it was so i was like oh it's you know these two women that talk about murder do you guys know the podcast yeah yeah so i I was like it's just these two women that are really obsessed with murder because they don't want to get killed and he was like oh so like ways women get killed like in a dark alley and i was like Bitch, we can get killed the same way men can at any <laughs> fucking time. I was like, the most recent one was a guy on the Greyhound bus that ate the guy sitting next to him. What? That could have been me. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> most women get killed in their houses. Right. Teen doves.
1: Uh, you can get killed anywhere. Yeah. I'm leaving it open. You shouldn't just say, hey, I won't get eaten on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I, I think hear you. I think I hear I, you. I opened his live his eyes a little about how women get murdered. Um, <laughs> a
0: world of possibility for him to explore.
1: Ah, Bishop Rice. <laughs> um, then I got into this other podcast um, called "Rhinestones and Cocaine."
0: You sent me one and one episode about Loretta Lynn's song "The Pill." So and good! I right? I listened to it and I loved it. I'm so happy you sent it to me.
1: I I'm loving it. I can't wait to watch more. So it's just like. This guy talking about old history from old country songs. And the, the one that I sent Emily was about how they banned the, the pill, the song The Pill, Loretta wrote. Mm-hmm. Because in that song, she's taking the pill um, because she has a husband and she wants to have sex with him and not keep having babies. You know, she would like a baby oh, break. So this
3: is the, the birth control pill. Right. Oh, okay. She's
1: trying to do some family planning action. Mm-hmm. Scandalous. And all the other pill songs that are written by men, they don't get pa- uh, banned but mm. this one did because it's talking about her owning her sexuality which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting oh,
0: interesting I'm gonna look for that mm. um that's a rhinestones and cocaine right
1: yeah it, it was really good it's a great name
2: yeah
1: uh speaking of the pill I went to the women's march in Chile yeah <laughs> they marched so much more lively then when we went to the march here, what we didn't move. There's not much marching. Maybe
0: they're not as heavily corralled as we
1: are. Definitely not. They could write graffiti on all the mirror, on the monuments. They were wheat pasting all over the fucking city. And I was like, they're not getting arrested for this shit. And they're like, no, you can. You, they just clean it up the next day. I guess part of the march um, mm. to get your, your marching, your like, whatever you call it, license or permit. They pay for cleanup. Mm. So you could totally trash the city (laughs) and you don't get arrested. Well, let's all move there. (laughs) I was feeling that shit. And then then there were all these really great posters about, like, uh, the pill, version of the pill that they have there and how women love the pill. And it was like, the graffiti was amazing. I had to have somebody translate it the whole time because my Spanish is shit. Um, I watched on Erica from Bust her uh suggestion the show can't cope won't cope which is irish mm-hmm. it starts out feeling like a drunk broad city
0: where are you watching it
1: on netflix and then and there's like some really funny things like they try to steal a car of this dude who who's they go to watch people dogging in the park and while this guy is out hooking up with this oh other dude gosh. they try to steal his car but <laughs> they didn't get very far because they're drunk obviously and luckily <laughs> Just um,
2: even the beginning of that sentence, they go to watch
1: these doggers. Uh, yeah, right. Like, no? What? Okay, sure. <laughs> um, but then it gets really depressing by the end. I was Aww. like, whoa. Is
0: James Franco canceled? Right now he's canceled. He may he's... arise from the ashes like Ben Affleck's back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, he's canceled.
1: Right. So I didn't even know if I wanted to talk about this because I wasn't clear on how canceled or if he was just. Delaying his season of life. But
3: <laughs> I love that phrase.
1: <laughs> there's this movie called The Vault. What? No. I'm not familiar with it. It's that. trash. Nobody should watch it. <laughs> it's basically these people are trying to rob a bank, and then they while they're robbing the bank, James Franco's character that barely does any acting and is terrible in it. Um he tells them the, that all the money's down in the vault, but who? it's ghosts in the vault. It, oh, it's, oh, no. Oh no. I love a ghost, but you, you lost me at ghosts. I love ghosts. I love heists, but that is such a stupid ass concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: amazing what you can get financed.
1: I, mm. could probably before James Franco got canceled. I mean, even after Hollywood is was- pretty
2: good at giving money to men who are canceled. I <laughs> yeah.
1: And Taryn Manning is there. She was really good, though. She was She's she good. was great in it. She was the only positive. Um, I saw Barry. Did you fuck with Barry?
0: Barry? Oh, the Bill
1: Hader show. I
0: did not fuck with Barry. Did you like it?
1: I thought I would hate it because this concept sounds about as solid as the concept of the vault. Um, <laughs> this guy, is a, he's a hitman, and when his target gets him involved in acting classes, and the hitman decides he wants to act. But it was way better than that sounds. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely impressed with it. Way better. That, my friend, is what I've been watching. What a colorful array
0: of pop culture delicacies you've been munching on. I would like to tell you what it is that I've been watching since last we spoke. First of all, a speaking of problematic bays, I've been watching the reboot of Roseanne Mm -hmm. and I can tell you that I can accept more the character of Roseanne Connor being a Trump supporter much easier than I can agree than I can accept Roseanne Barr being a Trump supporter. Like that's a real solid heartbreaker for me that she is her character supports Trump because she herself supports Trump. Like I enjoy the way that the show is is especially in its first episode is about like different people with different political views in a family coping with that. I like the way they wrote it. I like the way that they acted it. I was engaged immediately in that discussion. But Waking up this morning and seeing Trump congratulating Roseanne Barr on line and in all the headlines just made me wish so much that she was batting for our team because she used to. Remember that day? I remember that day. What happened?
1: Was she always liberal though? I mean,
0: it's almost like I think one of those situations where people get so liberal that they like loop around the back (laughs) and become conservative because they she... Went so wacky. You remember, like, she, she ran for president.
1: Right. And that
0: somehow radicalized her in ways no one could anticipate. Um,
2: <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could anticipate it a little bit. <laughs> I feel like many people are just kind of waiting for a time to go truly buck wild. And I feel like Roseanne is one of those people who I think enjoys being the stick that's poking yes. you. You know? So it was far easier for her to lean into this than probably anything else in her life.
0: Right. That's my yeah. feeling. I agree with you. However, when she was, you know, at her height of Roseanne Part One, I feel like she was outspoken in terms of women's rights, gay rights, things of that nature. I'm having trouble coping. I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to keep watching Roseanne because I'm just so troubled. Mm-hmm. Um, by her Trump support, but I do really like the show. I really like the reboot. I think it's well done. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if I can manage.
2: I mean, I was sorry to interrupt. I was also thinking about the things that she said, you know, about trans people yeah. and in the show having this uh I think her grandchild is yeah. gender nonconforming or, yes. or gender fluid. I I haven't seen the episode. Yeah, he's I, gender
0: I nonconforming.
2: Right. And to have that feels like a specific kind of mockery, which is not to say people who have uh gender non-conforming relatives aren't also Trump supporters I'm sure that happens a lot more than we think but it also just feels a little bit kind of like you know I voted for Trump but also look at me supporting my my kid my my grandkid and it's kind of like oh my god you want to eat the cake and you want to have it too it's twisting the knife it's a lot it's a lot and I think that's what because I used to watch Roseanne when I was a kid and I really liked the show And now I can't reconcile who she is as a human person with the character. And I'm sure the TV show, the reboot is wonderful. I've read reviews from people I trust and whose opinions I value. But at the back of my mind is always this thing, which is not to say you can't separate the art from the artist because that's a whole other complex conversation. But I just but it's feel hard. like it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's difficult when you used to like someone and they have shown themselves outside of the character that you loved so much to, have, you know, to be this pretty terrible person in many ways.
3: And isn't there uh, a grandchild who is of color? Yes. 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 Because okay. DJ married a black woman. Oh, he I married
0: the that. woman who was a little girl that he didn't want to kiss Aww. when he was a child. Mm.
1: Well, I wonder how. I think the we're gonna have to see how it plays out. How they treat the mm-hmm. these things now. Like, I don't know if she's ever backpedaled on the the trans bathroom thing, but maybe she quietly learned a damn lesson and is going to approach it in the show. I mean, you have to hope, but also
2: it's very difficult to forget.
1: Yeah, yet. <laughs> we got the Internet. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Internet live
2: forever. Does not forget. Mm-hmm. Um, on
0: Netflix, there's a six part documentary called Wild Wild Country about this crazy shit that went down in Oregon in the 1980s. There was this group that originated in India that was originated by a guru named Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, but got like a huge sort of like 80s new age um, wealthy white following once he hit America. And they bought 64,000 acres of land in Oregon and tried to build a utopia there, but they ran afoul of like local governments. And then like so much crazy shit went down it will blow your mind apart to watch. Like I, I remember
1: the first two episodes and then I fell asleep.
0: There's a lot more shit that happens after the first two episodes. The first two episodes are really just sort of setting the scene. Yeah. I promise you. I heard
1: it gets really good. It get gets that.
0: so crazy. I remember it when it was happening in the 80s and I also there's a really good episode of the podcast My Favorite Murder all about Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh, because one of the hosts is very obsessed with this we episode that, yes. as well. Um, if you like culty stuff, I really recommend it. It mm. is fascinating. We're it-
2: having a moment with cult stuff, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. Mm.
0: Charismatic leaders oh, right. with no like, morals. Three, yeah. And then the last thing I want to tell you that I watched was I finally got around to watching Call Me By Your Name. Mm. It was very soft and European and gay and um, sort of slow moving at the beginning. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm here for this. I'm going to like give it some time. I'm going to sort of let it wash over me like a, a filtered green wave of summertime languid relaxation. And then when the gay sex happened, I got a lady boner for (laughs) real. Like I knew that it was coming, but I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. And then I was like, yeah, this is hot. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so I you know, like it it's a slow buildup, but when it gets there, look out. That one guy is so cute. Army Hammer or Timothée yeah. Chalamet? Yeah. yeah,
1: Timothée
3: Chalamet. How old he's is he? 22 now, I think. 21. Right. He's of age, so he, he can drunk, drink. But I can, I, I can think he's
1: then. Yeah.
2: I, I didn't know. I mean, one of my favorite things is
3: someone described
2: him as a sickly Victorian boy. So that is right up your roof. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you, love, you
3: love a sickly boy.
2: So <laughs> There you go. Free of charge.
3: There's this, um, there's this moment in Call Me by Your Name where. Um, timothy's character elio Mm -hmm. is um on the bed on um army hammer's character's bed and he's like smelling his underwear yes that sounds gross but whatever i was gonna say finish a sentence but um (laughs) but he's like smelling his um it's actually his swim trunks i believe his swim trunks and he Elio gets on the bed and he kind of arches on his hands and knees and then just kind of grinds into the bed. And it's really this beautiful moment of your body just taking over. Like, you don't know why you're doing this. You don't know why you're having this reaction. You just know that you're going to follow. Yeah, you're just going to follow your body's instinct of, I need to be rubbing up against something I need to be <laughs> you know in a certain position or whatever yeah
0: it's like literally like one of the horniest movies I've seen in a long time like it's, just in terms of just like needing to rub up against something
3: yeah it's very sensual I love it
0: and that my friends is watch? what I've been watching I would like to thank our superstar producer Rachel Withers Ooh. the greatest producer of it's happening to us I would also like to thank our pal at the listening booth, Terrence Mickey. And I would like to thank our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. And you can email both of us. I'm at Emily Rems at Bust.com.
1: I'm at Callie W at Bust.com.
0: And where can people find you two online?
2: They can find us on our Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit. They can also find us on Tumblr at Thirst Aid Kit Podcast dot com. And personally, I guess you can find us on Twitter.
3: Yeah. you know My Twitter handle is Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That is T-N-Whiskey with an E, woman. Uh, and I'm at Bimadews. That's
2: B-I-M-A-D-E-W. But I should warn you, you don't have to at me, okay? You just don't. You don't have to. There's hardly a need for you to at me. <laughs> if you want to learn more about this
0: show or Bust, you can check us out at bust.com slash pop-tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. We don't want to be like an undercover secret, like what the Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh had <laughs> going on in his compound in Oregon. Like we want to be an, something that everyone knows about. We don't want to be undercover anymore. We want to be a household name. And with your help, we can make it happen if you only would take a moment to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out. We super duper appreciate it. Until next time.